It's a powerful testimony. And, uh, you know, the Bible does talk about a peace that passes all understanding, which I'm supposed to try to explain something the Bible says that we can't understand today. So uh, we'll give it a shot. But, um, you know, peace is better to experience than to understand anyway, I, I, I think. But we can uh, have peace in the middle of difficult circumstances, even when it does, doesn't make sense. I mean, our inward state can be different than our outward uh, circumstances. Uh, we can, so we can overcome our circumstances. We can overcome our inward anxieties, I think. Let's be honest. All of us deal with anxiety on some level, right? Would you agree with that? I mean, there may be varying levels, maybe varying ways. Uh, we may have different triggers or uh, some of us, it may be a huge struggle. Some of us, it may be uh, a small struggle. Uh, I mean, one of my grandmothers, I used to tell her that she'd get worried if she didn't have something to worry about. So, I mean, you know, you could be that type or you could be the type that's uh, pretty easygoing and, and kind of takes things uh, as they come. But, um, you know, th there's ways, there's things that can trigger anxiety uh, within us. You know, for me, a lot of times I tend to struggle more with the unknown than even, you know, what's wrong or if something's bad. You know, sometimes I handle bad news just better than, uh, than not knowing. So maybe that's my struggle. So I don't, I don't know what yours is, but, but a lot of what we're going to talk about today, a lot of where we struggle with anxiety, it really has to do with the mind. Right, we we can take things and just kind of run with them in our minds. You know, you, you do you know the person that when they get a headache, that in thirty seconds in their mind they're about, they've got a brain tumor. You know what I'm talking about? Or um, you know, we we can kind of play things out in these scenarios where one thing doesn't go right and it's going to absolutely ruin uh, the rest of our lives. Uh, so. Um, what we're going to do today is, is in Philippians chapter 4, we're going to look at three keys to you know, really experiencing living out the, the peace of God. Before we go there, I want to look at a couple other verses of Scripture and just kind of give you kind of a couple of foundational truths that I think will set up and, and help us to understand, help us to be able to build off of as, as we look in Philippians and, and, and focus on the experience of peace. But, but here's the first one. The, the, the key to peace is not the absence of problems. Because if peace is dependent upon the absence of problems, we're kind of done for, aren't we? Because we're all going to have problems. I mean, look at what Jesus said. Uh, John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Um, John 16, it should be John 16, 33, uh, says, in, in the world you will have tribulation, uh, but be of good cheer, I have overcome uh, the world. In the world we're going to have tribulation, we're going to have difficulties, uh, we're going to have problems. The first part of that verse says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. And, and so, uh, Jesus says, I mean, you're going to have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation, difficulties, trials, problems. But know that I've overcome the world. Galatians 5, 23 uh, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. and says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and, and, and peace. So, uh, so I want you to see the key to peace is not the absence of problems. Jesus said, you've got peace, you've got tribulation, 
but the two aren't mutually exclusive. Uh, last week, uh, while I was preaching, and you know, when we started this series talking about peace with God, uh, the eminent uh, American theologian Dwayne Sloan uh, texted me and said this. He said, outside pressure of, of adversity is inevitable. Stress is optional. So we have a lot of circumstances we can't c- control. What we can control is how we respond to them. That's the point. I would say it this way. There's a sense in which we have to fight for peace. Does that make sense? Because really, probably for most of us, our default mode is going to be anxiety. Or maybe this is one of these things uh, where we can uh, fall in the ditch on either side of the road again. Some people default to anxiety. Some people default to I just don't care kind of mode. Both of which are unhealthy and destructive. So the key to peace is not the absence of problems. But number two, peace is the possession of those who know Jesus. Isn't that what we read in those three verses? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. The fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace. If you're a Christian, uh, you have the Holy Spirit. So there is peace inside of us. The question is, are we going to do what we need to do to experience that peace, to live out of that peace, or are we going to let our fear and worry and fret and anxiety control us? Now, let me say this just in, in in the way of review. Uh, you know, last week we talked about having peace with God and started talking a little bit about the peace of God. Today we're focusing on the peace of God. Next week Preston's going to preach to us uh, about how to live at peace with others. But remember what we uh, read last week, Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified uh, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what the Bible teaches us, in order to have the peace of God, we have to start with being at peace with God. And if we're at peace with God, based on what Jesus said, his peace is within us. It's there. we, we got to work it out of us. But if we want to live in the peace of God, we have to start by being at peace with God. And the only way to be at peace with God is if we're reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work. If we're actually trusting him. Because remember what we read last week. Our sins separate us from God. Puts us in enmity with God. Jesus came and died on the cross to bring us back to God. To reconcile us. But we have to repent, trust him, know him. In order to be at peace with God. And then be able to live out of the peace of God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Who lives inside of us. So, if you're not a Christian. Where this starts for you. It's to trust Christ, to, to, to give your life to him, to turn to him in faith, to experience peace with God. And then once you know him, or for those of us who do know him, let's now look in Scripture and see how we can really truly experience and live in the peace of God. So if you've got a Bible, your phone, whatever, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 6 through 9. I think probably at least verses 6 and 7 are two of the most well-known verses in the Bible. I imagine some of you have them memorized. But uh, I I think um, verses 6 through 9, and really you can make the case verses 4 through 9, all fit together. They sound like just kind of some disconnected uh, encouragements or commands. 
but, but, but I, I think they fit together when you look at what verses 6 and 7 say and you look at how verse 9 ends. But here, here's what Paul says. He says, be anxious for nothing. And notice that's a command. It's a challenging command, right? Be anxious for nothing, and then I'm sure in an intentional contrast, but in everything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, focus on, saturate your mind, is what it's saying, on these things. And he says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. And, and, and the reason I say this all fits together is you can make the case in the Greek that that's literally saying the God of this peace, referring back to the kind of peace he's talking about in verse 7, will be with you. So I, I think the, the, the dominant theme of all four of these verses is peace. Even when we look at, at verse 8, I mean, you know, there's some commands for how we think, but in the context, I, I think part of what it's saying is if we think this way, it's part of what's going to lead to peace in our lives, okay? So three keys to, to really uh, living in the, in the peace of God, experiencing the peace of God. Number one, we experience the peace of God as we pray biblically. We experience the peace of God as we pray biblically. Now, here's what this doesn't mean because uh, I don't want you to try this and be disappointed or you may have already thought, well, and I struggle with anxiety and I've prayed about it and it just doesn't work and it's making it harder for you to, to trust God. So here's what this isn't saying. If, if you at one time or sometime a few times in your life prayed and said, God, give me peace, and expect that that's just got it settled for the rest of your life. That's not what this is saying. Because he gives some very specific instructions here in regard to how we pray. Okay? And, and, and there's a couple of things that, that underlie it, uh, even the specifics of how we pray. Okay? So let's just kind of walk through verses 6 and 7. First of all, there's a command to stop being anxious. Or to stop worrying. In secular Greek, these were used basically synonymously. It may read differently in different translations. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. Now, does that mean to not be concerned? No. Does that mean it's a sin to have a fight or flight kind of reaction in a specific context? No. In the Greek, the literally way, the way it's worded is to stop an action that's already habitually been going on. Uh, really, what it's saying specifically, you know, is don't live in a state of anxiety. Uh, you know, don't stay in, in this kind of mindset or heart condition in, in an ongoing, um, con as an ongoing condition. And, and so you say, well, you know, how do I know when it becomes sinful? 
I don't know if I could tell you that. I, I think that's maybe something uh, the, the Spirit of God will convict uh, you of. But you say, well, why is this such uh, an issue? And, and I, I think John MacArthur hits the nail on the head when he says this. He says, fret and worry indicate a lack of trust in God's wisdom, sovereignty, or power. Indicate a lack of trust in God's wisdom, sovereignty, or power. The reason anxiety is a serious issue is because it's a faith issue. I mean, if if I'm freaking out, worried about everything that's going on in the world, worried about everything that's going on in my life, really, at its root, what I'm saying is, God, I don't really trust that you're in control. God, I don't trust that you've got the power to work out your will. God, I don't really trust that you love me. Uh, God, I don't really trust that that you know what's best for me. That's really uh, the the root issue of this. Do we believe that God's in control, that God loves us, that God knows what's best for us, that we can put ourselves, our family, our life, our circumstances, our future into his hands and, and, and trust that he has it under control, that he's going to do what's best for us. So, you know, if some people say, well, you know, my pray, prayer doesn't change anything. And you can believe that, but I guarantee you worry doesn't change anything other than maybe your blood pressure and your health status and those kind of things, right? I mean, if worry accomplished anything, should of getting together and having prayer meetings, we ought to get together and have worry meetings. So we've got to understand, you know, the root issue here. It's what are we trusting in? I mean, if I'm trusting in myself, i got a whole lot of reason to be anxious. But if I'm trusting in God and His Word and His promises are true, I really don't have a lot of reason to be anxious. Okay? Second issue here is that the conviction that underlies this is that we live in the presence of God. Um, Jake, if you would, put verse 6 back up again. Um, he, He says... Here, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And when it's the preposition to here, to God, it literally means in the presence of God. So uh, the conviction, once again, that that underlies this, the, the, the faith issue is, is that in every second, every moment of my life, I am living in the presence of God, my Father, who will never leave me or forsake me. Remember Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus tells us not to worry? Why did he tell us not to worry? He, he said because our Heavenly Father uh, you know, takes care of the birds and, and the flowers and all these kind of things. And, and he's kind of arguing from the lesser to the greater and saying, if he takes care of his creation and we're his children, is he not much more so going to take care of our, us? And so he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Do we really believe that we're living our lives continually in the presence of God. Um, you know, think about little kids. Some of you have been through this with your kids at church. We went through this uh, with, with Jay. Uh, and, and, and I've tried to encourage uh, some of our young families with this, that, that, that it'll eventually stop, you know, maybe when they're 11 or something like that. But, you know, Jay was a screamer when you put him in the nursery when he was a little kid. 
And uh, the bigger problem there was, you know, I was the pastor. This is when we were in Maryland. And a uh, new church, meeting in a school, you know, portable kind of church. And, like, the, the nursery was like a guidance counselor's office right beside an adult Sunday school class. And so they'd be like, there's a pastor's kid in there screaming again. And, but, you know, when we would come and pick him up, he'd stop. He'd be fine. He quit freaking out. Why? Because he was with his parents. And, you know, if we understand that our heavenly father, our heavenly parent is always with us, why we've got to be screaming and freaking out and being anxious and going crazy about everything. So a lot of this is about what do we really believe, right? Do we believe God's trustworthy? Do we believe he's with us, that we're living our lives in his presence? But then he gives three specific instructions about how to pray here. Uh, look back in verse 6. He, he says, um, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer. He says, he said, well, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to pray. But understand, the, word, the Greek word translated prayer there literally means worship and devotion. So prayer is to include worship. You know what one of the greatest tools, one of the greatest weapons, so to speak, in fighting for peace is? It's worship. Because it's hard to really worship God and be anxious at the same time. You should try it sometime. I mean, if we really focus on God and his greatness and glory and majesty and power and love and, and, and goodness, it's hard to be anxious. I mean, it's, it's the idea that if we're focused on our problems, if we're meditating on our problems, we're probably going to be anxious. But if we're meditating on God and his, who he is, then we're probably going to be at peace. And I'm not talking about living in denial. I mean, we've got to be honest. There's nothing uh, spiritual about being dishonest and living in an unreal, you know, false state of reality. But when it comes to life, we can either view our circumstances through God or we can view God through our circumstances. One leads to peace. One leads to anxiety. Worship, it's about God, but there's benefits that come from worship. And this is one of the benefits that come as we worship. It leads to peace because it gives us a higher view of what's going on. It helps us see beyond to see to the eternal and the transcendent and the one who's in control instead of just focusing on whatever it is that's freaking me out at that given moment. So as we pray, worship. But as we pray, prayer, he uses the word supplication. And he says, let your requests be made known unto God. Prayer includes asking God to meet our needs. And so do we trust him that he's going to do what's best for us? Because if we do, that's something that fights anxiety. Prayer is also to include thanksgiving. He tells us to ask with uh, thanksgiving. You ever tried this? It's hard to be thankful and anxious at the same time. I mean, try it. It's hard to count your blessings. I, I mean, it, 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 and like specifically, if you just start, if you're freaking out about something, and maybe it's really wrong, but what's our perspective? Is this one thing ruining my life? Or can I look at all the good things that I have? Can I look at all the blessings that I have? Can I thank God for everything that he's given me? Because when we focus on that, 
that leads to peace. When we focus on what we don't have, that leads to anxiety. But if we're honest, there may be some things that that aren't the way we want them to be. There may be some things we're missing. There may may be some things that we want. But if we realize that we've got it a whole, 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 whole lot better than we deserve and we're thankful for that, it'll change our perspective on life. But then notice the result that he gives here. He says the result in verse 7 is a peace that goes beyond human understanding and it actually guards our hearts. So it's a peace that you can't necessarily understand. It's kind of like Ray and Jessica were saying. Maybe Have you ever experienced this? Like you're in a situation and you just feel a peace and it doesn't even make sense. You're like, why, why am I not freaking out about it? You ever ask yourself that question? It's like, well, you know, what's going on here? That's the peace of God that passes all our things beyond human reason. Something we, we can't necessarily understand, but we can't experience. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. He says here, this peace guards our hearts. And, and, and the word guard, is, it's a military term. It, it's like uh, somebody uh, being on guard duty, somebody on watch. It's, it's, it's protecting our hearts from things that would come in and, and, and steal uh, our peace. This is what God does in us. And so, I mean, if, if you've ever experienced the peace of God, I mean, it's just one of those things that money can't buy. I mean, it's just something that, you know, that's better than so many of the things that we find or say that are so valuable in, in this world. I mean, I, I think of an example, uh, you know, from our lives. You know, when, when Molly had open-heart surgery when she was three days old, and we were at Children's National Medical Center in Washington, D.C., and me and the deacons from our church went into a room, uh, you know, to pray while the surgery was going on. We had a prayer meeting. And one thing was, we didn't know how long the surgery would last, is what they told us, because you know, they didn't know exactly what they were going to find when, when they got in there. And so we prayed together for a while, and then they all left, and, and, and I felt like I should stay, because I felt like you know, that's all I could do uh, for my daughter at that, that moment. And, and so, I mean, I continued to pray, and, and just, you know, it's probably one of the times in my life when I've had the strongest sense of the presence of God. But then at some point, about 35 minutes into this, I just like felt this release. I didn't know what it meant, but I just felt like they didn't need to pray anymore. That, like I said, I don't know what it meant, but just felt a peace. And I went back downstairs, and right after I got downstairs, the doctor came out and said they just finished and everything was good. There's a peace that passes all understanding. And that doesn't mean it's always easy. Uh, that doesn't mean, you know, it's always going to turn out like we want it to. That's the idea of this. You know, it's easy to have peace when everything's good. This is saying things aren't necessarily good, and it doesn't make sense, and God can and will still give you a peace. But prayer and praying in a biblical way is part of that. Number two, we experience the peace of God, and this is verse 8, when we think carefully. When we think carefully, um, really, this has so much to do with whether or not we live at peace because how we think even underlies how we pray. Um, so if you look in verse 8, he, he gives these commands for how we're to think. And like I said, this is just true in general. I want to focus on showing you how it applies to peace. But you know, what do these different words mean? True means it corresponds to reality. 
Noble means dignified or grave or honorable. Just means morally right. Pure means chaste, uh, morally pure. Lovely means pleasing or pleasant or amiable. Uh, Good report means uh, good repute, praiseworthy, commendable. Virtue means excellence. Praiseworthy means approved by God and, and by man. So basically what he's saying, he's saying we need to be careful with how we think. We need to think godly thoughts, think carefully, uh, you know, let God renew our minds. We need to think in the right way. This is something we're commanded to do. But like I say, in context, I think it's specifically saying if we want to live in peace, we got to guard our minds. And let, let me just... Two or three other verses, I think, that, that speak to this. Isaiah 26.3. This was the verse that actually sustained me. The, the verse I felt like God gave me while we were in the hospital with Molly. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is fixed on you, because he trusts in you. Saying so if we fix our minds on God, he gives us peace. Romans 12.2. Don't, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change our thinking, change our life. I mean, that's what this is saying. You want to go from anxiety to peace, you got to change the way that you're thinking. And then notice Psalm 119, 165. It says, great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. There's an unbreakable connection between the word of God and peace. That's what that's saying. So let's review something uh, we used last week. Uh, This is something that Lori Arwood, uh, church counselor, came up with. Remember we talked about this last week. Um, We're all raised in an environment. That's the soil. It's either healthy or unhealthy. Uh, You know, out of that, and out of our experiences, and hopefully at some point out of renewing our minds to the Word of God, this is what the roots are. You know, we, we have these beliefs. We're either believing lies or truth. What we believe determines how we think, but then how we think ends up determining what we do and how we feel. So, once again, if, if, you're, if you're feeling on a regular basis, your life is controlled by anxiety, You have to change the way you think. How do you change the way you think? You change the way you think by believing truth instead of lies. If we want to have peace, we meditate on, trust in, rely on, claim the Word of God, and apply that in our lives. Here's how Craig Rochelle says it. You ought to write this down. Our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Whatever we think about the most, our life's going to move in that direction. And remember this, I've said this before, but remember this. You don't have to think what you're thinking. You don't have to believe what you're thinking. You don't have to do what you're thinking. You don't have to say what you're thinking. And you don't have to post on any form of social media, please, what what you're thinking. The Bible tells us to take captive every thought. So, you know, if if we're having these destructive thoughts in our minds, we're having these anxious thoughts, 
we have to, by the grace of God, take those captive and replace them with the truth of God. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, here, here's some hopefully practical thoughts uh, you know, from, from some areas that, that, that I think that um, you know, we wrestle with this in. Um, Lori talks about changing from even if thinking to what if thinking. I'm sorry, changing from what if thinking to even if thinking. Like, you ever do this? You ever play these scenarios out in your mind? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And it's usually bad. And what she's talking about is doing even if thinking and thinking, even if this happens, God's still in control. God still loves me. I'm still a child of God. He still has a plan for my life. He's still forgiving. He's still gracious. He's still merciful. He's never going to leave me or forsake me. He's still going to take care of me. He's still going to work it all out. And, and, you know, this what if kind of thinking is destructive. I read an article in preparing for this about the rise of anxiety among teenagers. Huge issue in, in, in our society. Kind of a crippling kind of thing. I mean, you know, there, there's teenagers that, uh, I mean, they're having to make special accommodations for in school, you know, having to have professional mental health help, you know, going away just because, you know, they're so consumed with anxiety. They feel so pressured. They feel so overwhelmed. And sometimes it could be as simple as something, you know, what if I fail this test? And then what if I don't get a scholarship to college or I don't get into college and then I don't get a, 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 you know, a good job and then I can't get married and then I can't. And, and you know, we can play out the rest of our lives in a negative scenario that may never happen. So instead of what if thinking, think even if. Focus on who God is instead of who we are not. I mean, we can come up with ways that we're lacking all day long, right? But God is not lacking. And the more we focus on what we're lacking, the more anxious we're going to be. The more we focus on God's sufficiency in our lives, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, and that all of our needs are met according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, the more at peace that we're going to be. If we focus more on what God thinks about us, Instead of who people, instead of what people think about us, we're going to be in more, in more peace. I mean, how much anxiety do we have because we worry about how we're going to fit in, and if we're dressing right, and if we look right, and if we're cool enough, and if people are going to like us, and all these kind of things. If we, fo- if we fight against the fear of the unknown, I mean, that's kind of this what-if scenario, but how much time do we spend worrying about just what we don't know or what may or may not happen or all these possibilities of the future, both in the world and in our own personal lives. Uh, if we want to be more at peace in our, in our minds, instead of living in the past, we need to live in the present. How much anxiety do we have because we're beating ourselves up from stuff in the past? Or if we live in the present instead of in the future? I think that's part of the reason why Jesus said, you know, let tomorrow worry about its own stuff. Because we don't have any idea what's going to happen tomorrow. But once again, it's that what if, what if this happens? And what if, that, what if there's a nuclear explosion? What if we have 43 inches of snow and the power goes out? And uh, what if I run out of food and I can't make it to the store for milk and... You know what I'm saying? I mean, we can just kind of let our minds run wild, and, and that's where we have to take every thought captive uh, for Christ. Focus on Jesus and the gospel 
instead of my failures and, and, and shortcomings. Listen, at the end of the day, we can't control a lot of circumstances, but we can control how we think, and most of the battle is fought in our minds. Change our thinking, change our life. Move from, from anxiety to peace, it's going to happen in our minds. It's going to happen through the Word of God renewing uh, our minds. So, you know, it's prayer, it's thinking. Then number three, we experience the peace of God as we live obediently. Look at verse uh, 9 again. He says, The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me. In other words, Paul's saying, The things I've taught you and, and the things you've learned from observing me, my example, he says, These do and the God of peace will be with you. We experience the peace of God as we live obediently. Now, this is really important because this is one of the lies that Christians believe. A lot of times, you know, you talk to Christians, they're like, man, I'm so anxious, life's such a struggle, I got all these difficulties, I don't understand why. I mean, I go to church and I pray and so on and so forth, but here's the thing, you can't live as a Christian out of the will of God and live in peace. As a Christian, you can't live out of the will of God and live in peace. Why? Because if we're living out of the will of God, we're quenching the Holy Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit's peace. So if we're quenching the Spirit, we're not going to experience the fruit of the Spirit. I, I believe, honestly, it's part of God's discipline in our lives. I, I believe that, that, that God has just designed things that they only work when we're in concert and in harmony with Him. And if we're not in harmony with Him, we're not going to feel harmony, peace within ourselves. Unless we're deceiving ourselves, which could be a bigger problem. In fact, if, if you look in Deuteronomy 28 and 29, um, you know, God, as He's renewing the covenant with them, is pronouncing all these blessings for obedience, all these curses for disobedience. This is the old covenant. And, and understand, don't go in and try to you know, claim these promises there. You know why? Because you say, well, uh, you know, I'm doing this so I ought to get blessed. What aren't you doing? If you claim the, the blessing, you've got to claim the curse too. The gospel is, you know, we've all broken the commands of God. We're all under a curse. But on the cross, Jesus uh, became a curse for us so we can be forgiven and all experience all the blessings of God in Jesus Christ, not by our own efforts. But there's a principle and there's a warning tucked away in here that applies to what we're talking about today. Look at Deuteronomy 29, 19. It says, And so it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse, that he blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my heart as though the drunkard could be included with the sober. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, we can convince ourselves that we're blessed instead of cursed, but um, don't think you can really have peace if you're living in disobedience to God. It's kind of like the peace uh, that Neville Chamberlain proclaimed when he met with Adolf Hitler in 1938, and he came back and said, there'll be peace in our time. 
It's a false peace. It's an illusory kind of thing. And so I think this can apply in a couple of different ways. If God is telling you to do something, if God's calling you to do something in your life and you're running from that, you're not going to live in peace. Listen, when I was running from the call to preach, that was the less peaceful, least peaceful time I've ever experienced in 48 years of my life, including times when I've had a whole lot worse circumstances than I did then. Why? Because God loved me too much to let me be happy in my disobedience. And I'm thankful for that. But also, if we're, maybe it's not we're running from God in something, maybe you know, we're living in some kind of disobedience. There's some kind of ongoing, unrepentant sin in our life. You're not going to live in the peace of God because if you're really a Christian, then you're going to be experiencing the convicting power of the Holy Spirit telling you to change this. And, and if you're living in sin and feel like you're in peace at peace at the same time, that, that only means one of two things, honestly. It means either you're not really saved or you're a Christian and you're very deceived at this particular moment. I mean, he said, do these things and the God of peace will be with you. So, kind of tie this all up. Jesus said, I give you my peace. We all want peace. But to actually experience the peace of God, we have to be in Christ. We have to be at peace with God through faith in the Lord Jesus. Because otherwise, our sins are just a barrier between us and God. And so the only way to to break that barrier down, the only way to, to bridge the gap between us and a holy God is through the cross of Christ. So if you're not a Christian, I encourage you, he invites you to confess your sins, turn from your sin, turn your life over to God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive him. Let him forgive you. Let him make you a child of God. Let him give you the Holy Spirit. And and the Holy Spirit, through him, you can have the peace of God as Christ lives in you by his Spirit. That peace is there. That peace is there. Just a question, how much are we experiencing it? Listen, if you say, my life is dominated and controlled by anxiety, ask God to forgive you. Ask Him to help you to trust Him. Begin to pray, but not just to pray. Say, oh God, you know, take away my anxiety. No, begin to focus on God in faith. Begin to worship Him. Begin to thank Him for your blessings. Begin to you know, lift your needs up to Him. Fight this battle in your mind. Get in the Word of God. Let the, let the Word of God renew your mind. Claim the promises of God in, in, in your situations instead of just living based on circumstances. And then... If there's a way you're running from God, a way that you're living in disobedience, repent of that so you can experience the peace of God again. Listen, God wants you to live in a peace that passes all understanding. Know that. I mean, that's that's what he said to us. But it's not automatic. It's not automatic. So, Whether or not we experience it, a lot of that depends on us and what we're going to do with the truth of the Word of God. Let's fight for peace 
in our lives. Let's, let's bow our heads and close our eyes if we could.